Hello, listeners. This is Tucker Marcus, and I am here to warn you about the creepy, gooey, gory content that you might find in this bonus episode of Marvel's Pull List. If you have a squeamish constitution, then beware. Now, I present a Halloween look back to the past. And also into other things. <laughs> Hello, Marvelites, and welcome to a spooky edition of Marvel's Pools. Oh, we have ghouls and ghosts and werewolves aplenty here to talk about comic books. I'm Ryan, aka Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Yeah, and so we wanted to do a fun bonus just highlighting some horror comics. We have a video version of this chat, which covers four books, but we figured we dive in a little deeper on uh, the four that we talk about there, plus give you two bonus and uh, throw some other suggestions for you. First up, we have Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, number one. Written by Colin Bond, art by Talibor, Talajik, and Lee Lowridge. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So, Tucker, this series came out way back in 2011, but... Mm. The Kills the Marvel Universe vibe actually started in 1995 with one of my favorite books, which is Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe by Garth Ennis and Doug Bretworth. Mm. And I read it a tongue as a youngster, like so many times, which is weird. But I was a big fan of what if comics. And that's what this is. This is sort of a what if saying like, what if Punisher killed all the superheroes? What if Deadpool killed everyone? This even opens, the Deadpool one opens with Watcher doing his regular spiel. He's like, Mm -hmm. well, friends, look over here. I'm watching people shower and I'm great. I'm a bald baby man. You know, he sets this up like in this universe, things were a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And he's watching that Death of the Fantastic Four, which is such a disturbing opening. This kind of taps into like gore horror, like gore kind of genre type scary stuff and i mean it just like pushes all of your buttons as you're reading you know like every hero that you love every character or person that you like you have warmth and who has done great things you see them just brutally and devastatingly terribly ripped to shreds yeah i mean (laughs) the first couple pages it's the fantastic four yeah and the thing is rubble and dust and Susan Sorm is sitting there holding the body of Reed Richards, who is dying. So disturbing. Yeah. Like the, you see his face melting, like his skin melting off of his skull and like his eyes popping out. And like, it's just so messed up. And Susan's like, where are the kids? We got to save the kids. And he's like, they're gone. He can't get to them. I sent them to the negative zone. Like that's so heartbreaking. So she's holding mm-hmm. her husband. Her best friend is dust. And then she hears a scream and it's her brother and she runs. And then you get this, this scene. It's Deadpool. Like you watch him cut open Johnny's neck and the blood goes all over Susan, who is invisible. But then he sees her because she's got blood all over her. Mm-hmm. It's intense. Yeah. That kind of inventiveness is really a main kind of theme in this book because it is so disturbing all the way through but it is 
like all the kills are done in such unique ways that like yeah. you got to give it up to Cullen Bud for that guy's very twisted scary mind he's such a sweet dude like i love colin uh i've talked to him so many times over the years and he's just like super sweet yeah. southern chill friendly dude but yeah there's a darkness to yeah. him yeah uh and it, it loops back around to the watcher and really gives you a sense that things are going to get so much worse i really like the ending of this this book because we're here recording this at marvel hq in new york and it's like it is kind of the only way that this book could come to a conclusion of like just topping itself where um old, old Wade makes a little visit to Marvel HQ. Yeah, it's it, yeah. <laughs> but if you've never read it and you can handle that level of intensity, definitely check it out. Yeah. Next book, so what we wanted to do is dipping back and forth between some modern books and some classics. So the next one is a classic. It is Marvel Premiere number 28. <laughs> Oh, what is that? <laughs> that is uh, another spooky body out there. Uh, this is written by Bill Mantlow with art by Frank Robbins, Steve Gann, and Janice Cohen. Letters by Karen Mantlow. And it has got Ghost Rider, mm-hmm. Man-Thing, Morbius, Werewolf by Night, a.k.a. The Legion of Monsters. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, this is great. This is 1976. And the concept of a team of monsters being so cool. There are other versions of the Legion of Monsters, especially later. But there was a Legion of Monsters black and white magazine that came out a year prior, 1975. The version we have on Marvel Unlimited only has the admittedly awesome Manphibian and Frankenstein monster stories. So I chose this issue of Marvel Premiere because it does focus on this group of monsters and it almost has a team feel. Right. But not quite. Yeah. It's so it's it's 1976. Newly elected president Jimmy Carter. The America is in a crisis of confidence. But this is our our bicentennial. A- absolutely, but it was a dark time for America. Ooh, nothing scarier than that. Gas lines are long and uh people are just scared and there's a peanut farmer in the white house and there is so much going on and what do we else do we get besides everything is marvel premiere and yeah there you go very fun right so we have these <laughs> context four, cultural context i i 100 it's great uh you get these four characters how do you bring them together well you have a giant mountain just magically appear in los angeles this is so fun yeah it's Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this mountain appears and it's like draws in just these four monsters. Ghost Rider just happens to be rolling by. He's like, hey, man, what's that? And then like Man Thing comes out of the swamp and Morbius shows up and, and Werewolf by Night shows up. And then you find out like out comes this golden man on his golden horse, uh, Starseed, which you get his origin right away, which is just nuts in and of itself. Yeah. He's like... Yeah, I was part of people. We we got captured and they took our entire mountain into space. And then we all survived. Like in with space. a big like claw game claw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they take like, the mountain whoop. away. Yeah, like they do like the, the aliens just like twisted the mountain yeah. and zupped it up into space. <laughs> and then they all survived for like eons, except he was the last one left. I have questions about how they breathed <laughs> in space. Did the air like the air in the mountain had to run out at right, some point. Right. I don't know. Whatever. He <laughs> survived 
he took over, he became the star seed, and he wanted to come back, not get revenge, not be a jerk. He's like, I'm going to come back to where I came from and give them everything they yeah. wanted. This is like the definition of a misadventure. Where like, <laughs> like these guys, this crew is so just like wrong place, right time, right Ugh. place, wrong time. Like yeah. it's such a funny twist on like their quote unquote heroism. <laughs> yeah. And so they all show up and they're like, oh no, a golden man from Space Mountain. We got to get him. Uh, and then the star seed is like, hey, one of the things that really got me about this story was he keeps calling them brother. Yeah. Like, he's like, hey, brother, what, what's going on? Yeah. Hey, brother, chill out. Yeah. Like, he doesn't mean harm, yeah. but you have four <laughs> monsters. And then they attack him. Well, the best is man things like, oh, man, he looks so cool. I want to hug him. Yeah. And then Starseed's like, whoa, what the hell is this? I'm kind of freaked out. Mm -hmm. Anyone who knows fear burns at the touch of man thing. So then he's on fire. Yeah. Great. Ghost Rider's like, Oh no, oh no, oh no. Everything's spinning out of control. Ha! And he's like freaking out. Morbius is like, I'm so hungry. Yeah. I gotta drink blood. He goes after him. He attacks the guy. He attacks the horse. And then he and he's like, Brother, why are you doing this? Yeah. And Werewolf by Night's like, I'm not talking because I'm a dumb, crazy werewolf and I'm just gonna attack things. And so they essentially murder. This poor golden man yeah. who's who then at this one point is just like, I would have given you everything you wanted. And most of them just wanted to be human again. And they're like, oh, this is great. And he's like, nah, peace, I'm dead. Bye. <laughs> and, it's, and they turn back. They, they yeah. all go back and then they're like, well, I guess that sucks. <laughs> and they all go their separate ways. Yeah. And it's it, wild. Yeah, the issue ends in such a like funny, like weird, just great note of Ghost Rider walking his motorcycle down the street. And it's just He's, like, well, like that happened. Yeah, I'm out of gas. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know what to do. Yeah. And, as you said, we're in a gas crisis. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know? Well, it, uh, <laughs> it all, later on, we get to see lots more Legion of Monster stories. Uh, but I just... Find that one to be so strange yeah. and so fun. Yeah. Next up, back to a modern book, Carnage Number no. 1, written by Jerry Conway with art by Mike Parkins and Andy Troy with letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And this one, I absolutely loved it. And I, we were talking about this. You were an intern here when this was going mm -hmm. on. Yeah. 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 I, I remember sitting in for a record of This Week in Marvel with you and Ben Morse, and you guys are breaking down this series. I remember loving it and reading it back then and it felt like such a different book to me you know from what i was used to reading it i think so much of those horror vibes come through and it still hits today and it's so great yeah you know it's essentially carnage as this murderous monster he's on the loose he's being hunted by a strike force led by this rad fbi agent named claire dixon but the team includes john jameson who is man wolf and eddie brock this is 2015 while Flash Thompson was still Venom. So mm -hmm. Eddie actually had a toxin symbiote, which is Carnage's offspring. So it's, it's funny. It's like Eddie had Venom, who had a, an offspring, which was Carnage. Mm -hmm. Carnage had an offspring, which is Toxin. Eddie eventually got the Toxin symbiote, so he kind of became his own grandson. Right. <laughs> you know, comic books. <laughs> I, I absolutely love this, this whole series. It combines all that symbiote stuff along with Tomb of Dracula vibe, which we'll talk about in a little bit, this dark and spooky story of a team hunting this terrifying evil. Plus, it adds in really cool other kinds of supernatural stuff. The first arc has Carnage getting his hands on the Darkhold, 
this ancient book of Necronomicani evil that really drives the series. I believe Darkhold actually appears first in Tomb of Dracula story. Hmm. Um, I no, no, it, it first appears in Marvel Spotlight story, but it's it's of the time period, yeah. right? Of all that stuff, and so you know you've got that. It's such a cool element to bring into the story yeah. because it, it is like. Carnage and Cletus Cassidy are so scary for like, because they're like very clear and present dangers. You know, they're like brutal killers, very physical in their violence and things like that. So it's a, it has that element built in. And then to add this like mystical, dark, mysterious other element, that other kind of horror story is a really cool mixture of things. Yeah. I've got these amazing covers by Mike Del Mundo. Mm-hmm. Just Crushing it. So cool and weird and creepy. And then Mike Perkins' art is just fantastic. He does creepy, spooky, horror, nightmare stuff so well. Uh, There are a few scenes in the first issue of Carnage silently attacking these agents. And it's really violent and really scary. Mike just draws eyes and tentacles and things and shadows just so well. Yeah. All right. Our fourth book, which we also talk on the video, is Tomb of Dracula number 10. That's that's my impression. Nailed it. Uh, This one is the first appearance of Blade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is written by uh, Marv Wolfman, art by Gene Colan, Jack Abel, Petra Goldberg, and letters by Denise Vladimir. Look, we know Blade, who he is now, this leather, trench coat, swords, quips, super badass, sunglasses, all day, all night, mm-hmm. half vampire, vampire hunter. But here, he's a little bit of that, but he's got this bitchin' 70s look. Yeah. He's so cool. The green jacket, open a bit, so you get to see some of that sweet, sweet chest. Mm-hmm. A bandolier of wooden stakes, yellow glasses, dope afro, yeah. and it, wor- it works. Yeah. Like, people go, oh, look at him. But when you look at it in context and you read the book, and the, the 70s style, the vibe, everything that they were evoking, it is fantastic. Do we know what year this was exactly? 1973. Oh, okay. So, cultural context. Oh, Richard Nixon is the president of the United States. And uh, there's more 1970s turmoil. And there are also platform shoes and bell bottoms. And people with cool Ron Richards sideburns, maybe even, and giant lapels. Also. All the lapels. <laughs> so many lapels. Uh, and, and so Blade's first appearance in this book is a half page of him. And he's saying, they call me Blade. Yeah, it's so cool. Blade, the vampire killer. Like, th- that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Like, he rolls in, he's down, and he's like, got his stakes. He's like, look, I'm Blade. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. <laughs> and then he kills three vampires really easily it's, it's a lot of fun dracula total badass in the book in the series and that they go toe-to-toe it was really important that they established blade as the badass that he needed to be because dracula is a nightmare mm-hmm. right like he's so powerful but he's dealing with life in this modern world yeah. and like all that stuff the series itself followed dracula as he was being tracked by a bunch of vampire hunters so you had that give and take vibe of win a little, lose a little. And it, this is really like when I said Carnage is sort of riffing on this, it is very much the same vibe that they established in Tomb of Dracula. Having a team the, uh, that was going after Dracula, getting so close, but just coming up short of getting Dracula at every turn. Dracula making some headway, 
doing some big things. And then you've got Gene Colan's art, which is super creepy and scratchy. And like, I love it because it gets really gnarly when uh, Drac turns into a giant bat or when he's drawn mid-transformation. Yeah. It's just... Ugh. Yeah. It's yeah. Gross. I also love that this this issue takes place in a boop. Yeah. Like it's such a cool little decision, but like it allows for some really, really great moments. Like there's a great panel I'm thinking of where Blade is like diving under the water to like swim up via like alternate pathway to get to Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like it just works so well. I think it's so fun to combine. Like you you do have these kind of Dracula, of course, like classic horror character and Blade as this vampire hunter. But you can really feel the, the the era. But at the same time, it does have this timeless joy about it. You know what I mean? I think there is definite kind of self-awareness in all these pages where it is just like it doesn't take itself too seriously. It like has that super bombastic like Blade, you know, yeah. and everything. I, I think it was so fun to read. Heck, yeah. All right, so for the podcast, we wanted to add two more. First one is Marvel Zombies number one. And this is obviously a super popular series. I'm sure many of you listening have read it. But I want to get to this issue in a second. I want to give some context. There's a few interesting ties that this has. First, the Marvel Zombies universe was first shown in the pages of Ultimate Fantastic Four Mm -hmm. in a, a story arc called Crossover. Crossover was interesting because Marvel... We had promoted it as being the time when the Marvel Universe, the proper Marvel Universe, and the Ultimate Universe were going to cross over. And this has come after years of our then editor-in-chief, Joe Quesada, and everybody else being like, they will never cross over. (laughs) Never. Over my dead body. (laughs) Like, they were really hard and fast about it. So when they were teasing this, they were like, well, this is what's happening. And then we it was a little bait and switch, and they looked like proper Marvel Universe, but there was a trick, and it was the zombie universe. So you have that. That's the crossover story. They would later show up again in Ultimate Fantastic Four after a sexy Namor story that the FF went through, but Mm -hmm. uh, a story called Frightful. In crossover, Zombie Reed, he tries to lure Ultimate Reed to him, and Ultimate Reed is now the maker in our current comics, but they want to connect universes so the zombies have new feeding ground, essentially. Ultimate Reed also, by the way, a very expensive item to buy for clarinet players. Anyway, thank you. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) (laughs) That was the spookiest part of this whole episode. (laughs) Um, That first story crossover kind of leads to the beginning of Marvel Zombies number one. Frightful follows up after crossover and after the first Marvel Zombies series. But there's a single issue called Marvel Zombies Dead Days. That is the prequel telling the origins of the zombie sort of apocalypse and the fall of that universe and everything. And did you know about this one, Tucker? There's also a Marvel Zombies Army of Darkness crossover mm-hmm. series which connects back to the origins of the plague as well we did a little company crossover with dynamite comics right. and did marvel zombies army of darkness book wow wow which is super cool we don't have those on marvel unlimited but the trades are out there uh you should definitely track those down if you've never read them then there, you know there are a bunch and bunch bunch of marvel zombies sequels and follow-ups but you know it's it's interesting that everybody reads marvel zombies but there's a whole bunch of things that sort of connect to it yeah anyway this issue is by robert kirkman and sean phillips with colors by jun chung and letters by vc's randy gentile and it is disgusting <laughs> yeah it's horrifying <laughs> it grosses me out every time i read it yeah it's so funny as you're reading it because 
we start with Magneto, who is not zombie-guyed. He's not been zombified. And he's, like, up against a bunch of heroes who have been. And there's, like, as you're reading, for me or at least, there's kind of part of me where I'm just like, maybe he'll get away or maybe he'll kind of win or, like, maybe there'll be an ambiguous ending. Nope. Yeah. And Magneto <laughs> is a, an important part of the crossover story with, you know, like, trying to stop the zombies from getting to that other universe like this really picks up right after that and the zombies are like dang it yeah you stopped our plot yeah 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 it is gross and he just like he gets a call there's humans left they're on asteroid m he's like oh cool i'll find a way up to you i've just got to escape all these zombies and it is terrifying and gross there's that one part where spider-man he like his leg breaks and then he freaks out that his leg is broken is popping out of him big shouts to june chung here because her coloring is so good she draws all these decaying grays and greens like that's the color palette she Mm -hmm. uses for so many things so like things popping out of stomachs they're just like these awful nasty colors they have this conversation like when the zombies finally feed they're like oh, their minds are clear for a little while. And they're like, whew, we need to figure out what to do because we're going to get hungry again and everything's going to get a little weird. And Spider-Man starts freaking out because he's like, I ate my wife. I ate my aunt. And then they all make fun of him. It's yeah. uh, Bruce Banner was Hulk when he ate and he shrinks down. And so the bones are popping out of him. It is, yeah, it yeah. is yeah. awful. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a whole lot. Uh, it is not for the squeamish. But if you like horror and zombies, this is primo. And the, the series is, is like what they encounter by the end of the first issue really leads you through the next mm. couple. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a big fun one. So last book was Vampire Tales number one, another 1973 classic. It's black and white magazine that featured multiple vampire stories or just horror stories, really, and articles. Uh, we had monster books and kung fu books and Conan books as these big format magazines, black and white, very popular in the 70s. If you talk to a lot of our creators, these were things that they read religiously. Mm. I really kind of miss that style because they they added interviews and features and all these like pop culture things to the book, which yeah. was neat. And I'm glad that now in Marvel Unlimited, we actually have this fully reprinted, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is dope. Stories in this issue written by Chris Claremont, Mark Evanier, Gardner Fox, Steve Gerber, Ron Goulart, and Roy Thomas. Art by Bernay, Bill Everett, Pablo Marcos, Winslow Mortimer, Paul Reinman. A lot of these names, you know, like Paul Reinman, Bill Everett, they go back to like way back in the Atlas era horror books. Like these guys, this is what they did. Mm-hmm. They were so good. The first story in here is this neat Morbius story. Pablo's Marcos's shades but this wonderful watercolor effect on them. And when you do this in black and white, it does something special to that watercolor. Yeah, I loved reading these stories in black and white. I thought I added, like, you would think that maybe it would feel like less than than a story that has full color, but it actually felt like more because it just added to the tone. It added to this kind of bleak, eerie vibe across all these stories. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and this Morbius story, you know, he's not always a good guy or a bad guy, sort of, in between and in the 90s he got like this leather outfit but back then it was just deep v that is the deepest v the deepest <laughs> v shirt and i love it so much 
But here, he's just vamping and sucking away. He yeah. is just doing his thing. He fights a demon. He beats the demon. And he says, quote, I must drink the wine of life. I love it. It's a great line. It is such a great line. And then he goes to bite the demon. The demon got no blood, Tucker. Right. So he flips out and he vamps on a fortune teller. This sense of guilt, but still this sense of like, I just can't stop myself. Mm -hmm. I think it makes her a really cool character. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a cool kind of twist where you can get both of those sides within one character. You kind of get the thirsty version where which is like super horrific super kind of terrifying angry like you, you just don't know what's going to happen and then after he's sated he kind of comes back down you know and, and you get that side of him where he's regretful and he feels more human and he he has like these emotions that he expresses it just feels like a very obvious but like super inventive and really really fun way to explore both sides of these characters yeah like you were talking about tomb of dracula it's like it gets it, right? It mm -hmm. like understands what it's doing. It's a little cheesy, but it, it's a great story. We get a, this really cool messed up Twilight Zone story, this werewolf tale by Bill Everett, who created Namor and co-created Daredevil and Zombie with Stan Lee, which is really neat. There's this cool story adapting an old vampire tale, but one of my favorites in here is called Satan Can Wait. Mm -hmm. And it's about a guy making a deal with the devil, or does he? And you could skip over it because it doesn't have any superheroes or anything in it, but it is so good. Mm -hmm. I loved this story. It's got really creepy art. It's got this intense pacing. It's very solid. And we have a ton of old Vampire Tales issues on Marvel Unlimited, so you can read a bunch. Yeah. And if you guys who, you know, you want new horror stories, January 2019, there is Crypt of Shadows coming by Al Ewing, Gary Brown, and more as part of Marvel's 80th anniversary. So stay tuned for that. And some of the other books, you know, we were kicking around were Marvel Spotlight number five, the first appearance of Ghost Rider, Son of Satan number one, featuring Damon Hellstrom, Tomb of Dracula number... We, we could have done a whole episode on Tomb of Dracula, to be honest. Yeah. Adventure into Fear number 10, which is, I think, first man thing solo or first man thing. Frankenstein number one, because we have our own version of Frankenstein's monster. It's a cool twist on it. Marvel Spotlight number two, which is the first appearance of Werewolf by Night, and Marvel Spotlight number four, which is that first appearance of the Darkhold, and it also has Werewolf by Night in it. Lots of cool horror stuff. Reminder, check out This Week in Marvel as we dive into a little bit more of the broader history of Marvel horror. A last-minute monster Marvel Universe question. Yes. Have we ever seen in a comic Man-Thing given a nice big hug to the man without fear Daredevil? I don't know. Wow. But I mean, it would just be a nice soggy hug. Yeah. Because Man-Thing is like, he's all mossy and like slimy. and Absolutely. So I hope that answers your question. Uh, I mean, guys... it's great to end on that terrifying note. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, if you dug this, please email us at twimpodcast.marvel.com. I want all your emails. If you want us to do more like these special one-offs around specific topics, let us know. Yeah, tell us. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.